Okay. Amen. So, yeah, um, most of you have been here for the other lessons, I think. We've had some outstanding lessons already on the treasure principle. Um, they do focus uh, more on, on money and, and, and things of that nature. So when we talk about invest in your real home, you know, even as Ed referred to, there's many ways you can invest. And we could talk about a lot of different areas when you're talking about your real home in heaven. But there's a special focus on the treasure principle about money. Um, and I figure that's probably why, with the exception of Ed, nobody's sitting in the front row here because we're talking about money tonight. I don't, think I've e- I don't think I've ever seen the front row empty before. So we're talking about money. People are just, you know, get back just a little bit. Um, but I think as, as disciples, we know that our treasure is in heaven. Amen on that? Amen. Amen. We know our treasure is in heaven. I think that's a concept that we can all get really fired up about. And I think also we can get fired up about maybe being at a point, well, being at a point in heaven where we don't have to worry about money at all. Uh, that would be pretty awesome. Um, money and possessions, of course, affect us all for better or for worse. Um, but and then we talk about investing, you know, investing <laughs> in a real home. Investing, uh, some people aren't able to, a lot of us can't even think much about investing because we're just trying to pay the bills uh, from week to week and month to month. But this is going to be a type of, of investment we're going to talk about that we we can all afford to make this type of investment. And in fact, we can't afford not to make this kind of investment. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Jesus was well aware of the connection between our heart and our possessions. And much of what he spoke about uh, was, he, was about money or he used money as an example. I've, I've seen different numbers, maybe 15% of everything he said you know, had something to do with money. Um, and we actually don't, in my opinion anyway, we actually do have to touch everyone's No, We actually, uh, in my opinion, don't speak a whole lot about money. I mean, other than when it comes up in the scriptures as we go through, this is really not a church that speaks a whole lot about money. And in some ways, it, perhaps, uh, you know, we take a cue from Jesus and it, it might be something that we might need to talk about a little bit more because of that intimate connection uh, in spirituality and and uh, with about money and how it's a, a link to our heart. Um, so, in fact, Jesus even gave uh, investment advice. It, did you know that? He gave wow. investment advice? Uh, anybody know that? Uh, you all had this look of shock. Um, and everyone, you can read what's up on the screen, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, if you were a financial advisor, I don't know if we have anybody who is, but if you're a financial advisor and you promise a hundred times uh, performance, for your for uh, the, the investments, uh, that would be huge. Right. I mean, number one, no one would believe you, and they say you end up being locked up probably uh, with other people to promise that. But no, that that's a huge rate of return, one hundred times. And Jesus says not only that, but you'll also inherit. You have an inheritance with that too. You will inherit eternal life. Amen. That's huge. Um, so Jesus gave us investment advice, and so we're going to. Again, take a cue and, and uh, talk about uh, three investment principles. And uh, number one, first investment principle is be faithful in your giving. 
So God wants us, this is another truth. I like to start off basic. Here's a basic truth and we're going to build on that. And I kind of do that in my quiet time sometimes. You know, sleepy in the morning, get my coffee and just start off with a, a basic truth. Well, this basic truth is God wants us with him in heaven. Amen. We good there? there All right, go. we're good with that. So he, he calls us, as we know, to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he calls us also to trust in him in many ways, but one is as a great provider. And let's look at, let's look at trust here. Swipe again. Ah, here we go. To trust, definition is to believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of. So God alone, let's look at that in terms of providing. God alone is able to provide for us with total reliability and all strength. And his word is truth. Amen. Now we've got to really... You've got to really capture this to really understand investing in your real home. It, it really starts with trust. And it starts with relationship. Trust is about relationship. And that's, that's a major part of what God, a relationship with God, is, is really accepting that and really believing in that, that God is worthy of all of our trust in everything. And other things having to do with money are going to stem from that. But you've got to start with that bedrock, not just about money, but about anything. That God is worthy of every bit of our, of our trust because of um, his reliability, his strength, and that he is truth. Amen? All right. So, again, an investment principle is be faithful in your giving. You know, I'll tell you that God does care about our money. Some of you might be, oh, wow, God cares about our money. Well... Why is that? He has no need for our money. That's obvious. But he has no need for IT either. That's it. That's it. Perfect. So uh, he has no need for money, but he cares about our money. Why? Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And again, as we said before, God wants our hearts. And because of that, he's going to care about the money, but he really cares about our heart um, because there's that direct connection. And, you know, Satan cares about it as well. He cares about our money because he also wants our hearts. And uh, we won't turn there, but First Timothy 6.10 uh, it talks about how the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So from, from money and our, I guess, love of money one way or the other, it really determines a lot with where we're trusting. So our ability to uh, express our love and our trust and our gratitude to God uh, through giving actually started very early, uh, all the way back to Cain and Abel. So let's look at this scripture. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So God loved Cain as much as he loved Abel. Um, he just saw a weakness in Cain's view of him. 
in their relationship. And it was actually revealed in his offering. Cain gave an offering. That's good. He gave an offering. It was dutiful and it was obedient. And, you know, we've all been there with our, with our contribution, with our offering. It's easy to fall into that and just kind of give dutifully and obediently. But it lacked faith. And that's where there was a lack of the relationship. And we see a little bit in Hebrews 11.4, it refers to that. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. What does Abel speak? I mean, he's, his message is to give faithfully, uh, with trust, to know God and his power and his strength and to trust in him as the ultimate provider and to give to God accordingly. So that's, what, that's a, the message that Abel really speaks is to, is to really trust in God. So that's the first point is, uh, is really to uh, you know, be very faithful and trusting in our giving. All right. The second one and second investment principle is invest with a long-term horizon. If you've right. ever sat with a financial advisor, you know, they'll, they'll ask, you know, what is your, what's your time horizon? You know, how long? In other words, when are you going to need to use this, this money or these assets or whatever? Is it going to be in 10 years? Is it in 40 years or whatever? So you may or may not be able to read that, but we'll be reading uh, from uh, Luke 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this between you, between us and you is a great chasm. It's been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So this is a very convicting passage. So we can clearly see, think about time horizon. Uh, the rich man was a short-term investor. Oh, oh, go. oh, gotcha. There you go. There's the ending to that, what I just read. Um, the, uh, the rich man was clearly a short-term investor. Um, he was very successful at that. So I imagine when he was in his 20s, he started amassing maybe uh, money, maybe had some kind of business or something like that. Um, and his time horizon was, they didn't live quite as long then, so let's just give him 40 years. Maybe he's thinking he'd make it to 60. And uh, so he achieved his dream in that time. Um, he had, from the scripture, we know he had a house with a gate, which I'm sure was fairly unusual at the time. He had fine linens, he had servants, and he lived in luxury. So he was successful in the short term. Uh, but the problem with short-term investing is it comes into play if you 
outlive your time horizon. That's a bad thing because then you tend to kind of run out. Um, so he didn't really consider his time after his death um, as he was just looking at that certain time horizon. So, And obviously his money, we can tell, did not transfer over very well, did not help his standing at all uh, in the afterlife. But Lazarus, on the other hand, whether by choice or not, uh, he was on the long-term plan, and uh, he ended up with a much better investment horizon. And the rich man, seeing his mistake, attempted to have Lazarus um, be some kind of, I don't know, interdimensional uh, investment advisor and wants him to go back and tell the people who are his brothers. It's interesting that he says, my five brothers, you know, not just all my family, but I have five brothers. In other words, maybe that would impress Abraham that he really needs to go back because he has five. Uh, but go back and give them some financial advice. But unfortunately, it's too late. Wow. Um, so, you know, again, our, is this getting through at all? You guys are real quiet. Okay, all right, just making sure. <laughs> just making sure. It made sense to me, but, you know, you never know. That, is, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Just ask Harrison. Um, but, um, but so God tells us to plan for the long term. And why is that? There's some other scriptures that kind of encourage that. Uh, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built from human hands. You know, God through Paul here starts building the case about the long term and to plan for what's coming. And, uh, and certainly a, a house not built by human hands is certainly helping to make the case that that's going to be a wise investment. And then in Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven. Lowly bodies. You know, we're, I won't say everything that we're talking about, some of the men that are 40 plus when we came in church, but it all had to do with having lowly bodies and checkups and things like that that you do at 50 years old and all that. But uh, so, yeah, lowly bodies. We're all looking forward to uh, fresh ones. Um, another one, Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, your, your investment is not safe here. Um, now, I have no investment that moths would... Uh, bother at all. I don't store rugs or, or I don't invest in, in wool sweaters or anything like that. But for some reason, that is something here. They said it will not be destroyed by either moths or vermin. But regardless, your investment is not safe here. Um, whether it's, I think more practically about markets and things like that, there's market downturns. Um, think about houses, investing in houses. There's termites. Um, Maybe even if, let me address the teens here, maybe store a little cash, and maybe from time to time your parents use you as an ATM, and then they come take your cash. I'm sure they give it back. And uh, so, yes, that is somewhat autobiographical. We would, uh, the kids would have these, uh, got them these little ATMs growing up, and then Gabriel and I would need some cash, and much more convenient to go to the bank of Harrison or, or Colton or Madeline or something like that. But we always did pay back, right, Harrison? That's okay. 
Unfortunately, the camera is not on his face. Um, so, amen. So we need to plan for the long term. Um, investment principle number three is the amount matters. You might be like, what? The amount? Hold on. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, so setting it up with uh, in Malachi, uh, the book of Malachi, the. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the in Malachi, the Jews had returned from exile and had rebuilt the temple. And yet uh, there's still a spiritual malaise uh, or weakness that, that really plagued them. And through Malachi, God addresses in a lot of things. He addresses injustice and divorce and blemished sacrifices, among other things. But he also addresses their tithes and offerings. And we'll see that in, in the scripture. He says, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's interesting, in order to, God said he prescribed this in order to return to him, in, in other words, in order to return to a point of strength um, and, and relationship with God, they had to bring in the whole tithe. So it wasn't just bring a tithe. It wasn't just don't forget about offerings. It's no, bring in the whole tithe. And again, like Cain, I think they were they had been giving a, a partial offering. Same thing that Cain had. He was given some kind of, he was giving an offering, uh, dutiful, obedient, whatever, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a wholehearted. So whole in terms of their heart, and I think it equated to the amount as well in their tithe and their prescribed tithes and things like that. Uh, but um, their partial giving went along with their partial obedience in other areas as well. It went side by side. And I think it's hard to separate these things. And we don't want to separate these things um, spiritually that you want to have integrity in all of your giving. And again, as I said, we're, in the treasure principle, we're talking a lot about uh, money and things like that. But of course, there's many aspects to your giving. We want to have integrity in all that. But it just is it, it, not... Uh, it would not be right, and something would be wrong, if someone were very sacrificial in their time, but not at all sacrificial in their money. Or if someone is very sacrificial in their money, but they're very selfish with their time. There's, there's a problem there. So we have to have integrity, integrity in all of our giving, in our time, with our and money, and serving people, and everything. But, again... The focus here, we also have to remember in terms of our offering and things like that. And with everything, what is, we're not, uh, this particular lesson does not talk about how much you're supposed to give. That's, it's not really the point to define the amount for you. The, the point of this, uh, third point here, is that um, the amount matters. But the amount matters, hopefully you're, this is coming through, not because of the dollar amount but because of the reflection of where your heart is at. And so it matters only in that sense. God cares about the amount only in the sense that it reflects your heart and if there's sacrifice to it. Now, your amount, if you make a little, will be a little. 
your amount, if you make a lot, will be a lot. So it's more according to, your, according to what you make. You have to figure out the exact amount. And we'll get to some practicals later. But the point is, is you need to give with your whole heart or else there's going to be something missing potentially in your relationship with God. Um, God, wanted to, God wanted to bless them. And we see this even, and I addressed this before with, with Cain, but you know, after Cain gave that poor sacrifice, he didn't kick him out of the Garden of Eden. He, he basically said, hey, you've got a chance to repent here. Just do what's right. And then he went on to do, Cain went on to do worse things, as we know. But the offering, he, he just said, he just corrected him a bit and said, you know, this was a better, your brother's was a better offering. Yours, yours wasn't, needs some work. And I think we should respond the same way. I certainly don't want to respond the way Cain did. That would be bad. Um, but, um, but look how God wanted to bless him, even Malachi. He says, to, he says, give faithfully the whole tithe and just watch me bless you. I mean, God wants to bless us. Amen. And this is, not, this is not prosperity gospel that we give to get. No, this is giving out of relationship. Um, and that's what, that's what God wants. He wants, said it again, but Merrick's saying it again, he, he wants it, our heart. So he wants to bless us. He really does want to bless us. Now, there are, we've all experienced in our lives probably, if we've been disciples for a while, we've known those times, speaking financially, where we really give and God just has a way of giving back. And we know people who've been in that situation. That doesn't mean you're ever going to be, that you're never going to be in a point where you're short on funds or you need help or something like that. But that's kind of the point, you know, that even when you're short on funds, guess what? Somehow the family comes through or somehow a check comes through or something like that. And I know I've never seen anyone who is given so sacrificially that they did not feel like they were given back even more. Right. And so I think that's, that's, what, that's what God says here through Malachi. It's like, test me in this. I mean, how often does God say test him? You know, I think we're not supposed to test God. But he says here, test him. So, but test him in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates. And if you haven't ever tested God in that, I encourage you, test God in that and see what happens. Again, it's not prosperity gospel, so you want to start by giving your whole heart and follow it up with giving sacrificially. It's not that you necessarily want to just give a lot of money without the heart behind it. I mean, yeah, you just want to, you want to make sure you have that, that heart with it. And uh, so, again, we'll look in the, the next scripture. Um, you know, again, talking about amount, I think I've made the case, but still, some... This is often quoted, maybe not here so much, but by people who would potentially use this as a pass to maybe give less. Um, each of you yeah. should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you could just take that right passage right there, and we know it's not good to just take a single passage, but you could take that and say, well, see, it's all... Kind of, I've got to make sure I'm cheerful about it. I don't want to give reluctantly. Nobody should tell me what to give, and which is true. And but often, what that is is a um, is a precursor to just not giving sacrificially. Um, so it's not really a pass. This is really a call higher. I mean, you think about you think about your giving and what you've decided in your heart to give. Well, that's a call higher because that means you've got to decide. What you want to give. That takes a little thought. That takes a little bit of looking at your budget. 
it takes a little bit of getting input and things like that. You, you, you have to actually decide. So that means you have to give it some thought, first of all. Um, and God loves a cheerful giver. And that's the challenge, too, is that when you do give sacrificially, to give cheerfully. And uh, I know even for me, even though, you know, week after week, still giving it, I still have to fight those thoughts that I want to get my, I'd love to get my daughter or my sons a better car or something like that, you know. But no, they're getting a college car and it's kind of minimalist. But hey, you see the neighbor across the street and, and, and they have a, a nice new Jeep and for their daughter and I just, I told the dad, I said, please don't tell Madeline. That's what I said. <laughs> She's at camp, so I'm like, I'm like please, please don't tell her. But, um, but anyway, you know, you battle with those things for sure. So, but it comes right back to, to give, I mean, once you realize and you get back on track that you realize there's so many reasons to give um, cheerfully because God just gives back in a great way. So, but let's look at the whole passage though. Um, really, still on this uh, final point about amount, amount. So, couched in this whole passage is the one we just read. Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Hear the amount there. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Amount is all over this passage. Um, and that's, you know, and that's, you know, again, um, that's the words from God um, that don't give sparingly, give abundantly. And guess what? You're going to reap abundantly. Um, you give generously. So this is basically it's give a lot and get a lot and then, and then give a lot again because at the end it says, you know, that in every, every way you're going to be generous. And I actually believe that too, that I think God allows us to be generous. When we really give, then somehow we get back and He even equips us to be generous. And even that comes from God. Um, and then this will result in thanksgiving to God. And that's not just through us, but that's people who are touched by uh, the effect of whether it's our, uh, our um, benevolence contribution or our contribution that goes to the church. And, and by the way, it does go to the church, but really, hopefully you get this, that this is, I would not view your contribution as to the church. I mean, in, in a good way, yes, it, it goes to the church and, and many things. But this is all about your sacrifice to God. In the same way, in the Old Testament, you know, they gave to, you know, the, a certain amount that the Levites were able to subsist off of and things like that. But they didn't, never was it, did they... Well, I don't know if they did or not, but at least the prescribed way was not to look at the Levites and say, you know, you've been eating too much and I'm going to give less. No, it wasn't that at all. It's, it's, it's you're giving to God. And we see that over and over again. Then it's a reflection of the relationship in God. God has his, had a plan to be able to uh, help everyone to be able to make it, you know, through the tithes and offerings and, 
Um, but it's the same way for us. I mean, it's not, and that's one reason I'm giving this talk, or people not on staff, because I'm not paid by the church. And so it's not that no one else could give this, but it's just helpful, I think, to know that, you know, we're, we're encouraging each other in this way, um, and as people who are not, do not receive anything from the church. So it has nothing to do with that. Um, so, let's see, where am I? I think I finished that last page. So, yeah, so so generously, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Uh, be cheerful, but so generously. So let's, uh, let's move on and uh, towards the last part here and just talk through some practicals. And we are going to have some time to talk in our groups. Um, and these aren't written down. Um, I'll just let you know. Here's my suggestions to you uh, for some practicals is to sit down and look at your finances and consider how you are investing in your eternal home. Again, un- unashamedly, unabashedly, this message is about, about money. and Because we rarely talk about it. Um, but look at your finances. Consider how you're investing. Is it faithful? The first question I ask, is it faithful? We talked a lot about that. Um, reflect on your trust in God. Does it reflect your trust in God? You know, you, you may be at a time where you have much and it's fairly easy. You may be at a time where you have little and it really pulls on your trust in God. Be thankful for those times. This is an opportunity to build up your faith in God. When you give at those times and you watch what God does, your faith will grow because you will see God give back to you. But you have to really, you have to, in a sense, test God in that. You, you have to really go out on faith and trusting in God. So ask, is it faithful? Does it reflect a long-term view? Um, and are you, are you cheerfully giving generously? So, and the second practical, I guess, is um, get input on your budget and before big purchases. So I think we're fairly, you know, it's money is, as we all know, is one of those things that kind of seems to be more of a private affair. Um, and it's just one of those things. But I encourage you, I mean, you have to share your finances with everyone, but find someone, um, and this, whether you're a teen or your campus, and which you may have little, probably, um, or you're married or single, whatever, no matter where you are in the whole scheme of things, uh, this does apply. I mean, even if you're at a $7 per hour job, minimum wage or whatever, uh, or you just you get an allowance. I mean, hey, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, but uh, get input on your budget, and uh, and before before big purchases, I, and that's just an opinion recommendation for you that before you make a big purchase, before you go out and buy this nice brand new car, just talk to somebody. Nobody's going to tell you what you can or can't do. This is to your benefit. Uh, the times that I've gotten input on these things, it has come back to help me. It's not, it's not permission from someone else. But you have to kind of, that's another way you kind of have to trust. And you can ask multiple people. Um, but, you know, really, would you consult with a financial advisor before a big investment? You probably would. Well, what investment is bigger than this? When we're talking about our investment in our eternal home, what investment is bigger? Amen. So, certainly, we need to get input on that. If you determine, 
Here's another thing. If you determine what to give based on what you have left, then you're missing something. So I believe me, I understand how it gets to that point, but you're, you're missing something um, in terms of the opportunity to really trust in God in this and the opportunity to give to God first. When you're budgeting things, you want to have that as a t- well, your top line of the, you know, maybe income on your budget, but then your expenses, put it in there. Put in based on my income, here's what I have decided or my wife and I have decided or whoever. This is what we've decided, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but here's what we've decided and prayed about that we're going to give and, and hopefully gotten some input as well. And, and, and go with that. And then what you have left after that, amen, God will, God will bless it. Um, and then the, the last question, I guess, is there, is there anything keeping you from being rich towards God? Um, anything that's keeping us from being rich and generous towards God, we want to really look at removing that. And that's, that's really an understatement. So to recap again, um, the first point, the investment advice is to give faithfully. Uh, second is to invest long term. And the third is that the amount matters. But again, it's all about God's desire for our whole heart. And then we've got a couple of questions uh, just for your groups. And, and Ed already kind of reintroduced that. Um, but again, take some time. And uh, what I suggest you talk about is, number one, share how sacrificial giving is an integral part of a deep relationship. And that's just that's to really set the foundation. And, and that doesn't have to do just with money. But that's just the realization that in our relationships with each other, but also with God, sacrificial giving is an integral part. And it's certainly that way with God as well. And the second is, what steps can you take that will improve your investment in your eternal home? And you can go a lot of uh, different directions with that. Um, so, and then anything else to... Okay, well, let's go ahead. Well, what, Actually, let's, let's just say a prayer on this. I think kind of a heavy topic maybe, but let's just, let's just say a prayer on this, and then we'll break in our groups. Uh, God, we're so thankful for you and how you've blessed us in so many ways. And uh, God, I, I just pray that through your scriptures, uh, God, we've I've developed some uh, convictions, and I certainly uh, pray that I've uh, adequately shared uh, what you have in mind uh, for everyone and what we need. Uh, when we really talk about money, really... Uh, a, a tough subject sometimes to uh, to talk about, uh, one of those private subjects, God, but we know that you're bigger than all this. God, we know how you, you love us and you want us to sacrifice because you want our whole heart. And I just pray that um, Satan is not allowed to really use this as a way to lead to many types of sins. Uh, but on the other hand, we can use money and whatever we have, small, large, whatever, to be able to invest in our relationship with you. Uh, and in our eternal home and knowing that that has so many positive effects on on even the church and things like that but it's it's so much about our relationship with you father so i pray you even bless our discussions uh, that we have with each other and that people will be open and uh, and certainly if people have a bad attitude they can certainly talk to me after and i'm okay with that and uh, god we just love you so much in jesus name we pray amen, amen. Right, breaking your groups All right.